truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in here today. Live and on demand on the Blaze Radio Podcast and Blaze TV. I am Steve Dace. Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre are here with me as well. If you would like to join us today, it's 888-933-93. That's how you can reach us here at the Blaze. You can also let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com is the way to email the program. That's D-E-A-C-E if you're wondering how to spell that the right way. You can also like us on Facebook. Who doesn't like us? So keep liking us there. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. We got a lot to get to here today. Uh, Our good friend Daniel Horowitz, our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, he will be joining us a little later than he typically does. So next hour of the show, we'll also get to this week's edition of Buy, Sell, or Hold in the next hour too. Um, You know, if you are tired of reading and hearing about conservatives being deplatformed. Um, you know, the, I, I think the biggest change that has gone on politically, we have had a major political realignment. It just hasn't been a demographic of the gen, uh, general population. The, we, it's corporate America. Corporate America used to be aligned with conservatives for the most part. Um, even if they didn't necessarily buy into uh, our culture war issues, they agreed that uh, our enemies were theirs. The same people that wanted to you know, impose the counterculture and cultural Marxism on everybody with the same people going after their bottom lines. Well, a lot of that's changed now. And most of your boardrooms today are activist, leftist, progressive all throughout Wall Street. And you are watching, particularly here with um, Pride Month, uh, you're watching much of corporate America bend over backwards to fund values uh, that you don't uh, share, uh, to fund a movement that would actually use government and already has, to coercively attack you for your values. What can you do about it? I mean, let's face it, the Republican Party is largely worthless. If you look at it as anything other than a crash test dummy uh, to put between you and the Democrats to slow their roll, um, you're lying to yourself. So you feel helpless a lot. What's our platform? Where do we go? How do we fight back? You know, here's one way. You pretty much have to have a mobile phone in America today. Really, the only difference, because these companies are even telling you in their ads, they have the exact same networks as their competitors. So really, the only difference then is where they spend your money after you spend it with them. That's why you want to check out Patriot Mobile. It's the only phone company that supports values that you believe in. They believe in the same America you do. And for a limited time, switching to Patriot Mobile just got a lot easier. Right now, you can get a free month of service on all new lines with the offer code Blaze. A free month of service on all new lines with the offer code blaze. When you go to patriotmobile.com, patriotmobile.com, they've already raised about $2 million for um, Alliance Defending Freedom, PragerU. I mean, these are institutions, entities you support. Patriot Mobile supports them as well. And they've got plans starting as low as $25 a month. There's never been a better moment to switch than now. patriotmobile.com slash blaze. PatriotMobile.com, promo code, offer code, Blaze. And now here's Aaron with what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away? Brought to you by Making It Official. Donald Trump held a rally in Orlando, Florida last night where he officially kicked off his 2020 re-election campaign. Our radical Democrat opponents are driven by hatred, prejudice, and rage 
they want to destroy you and they want to destroy our country as we know it. Not acceptable. It's not going to happen. This election is a verdict on whether we want to live in a country where the people who lose an election refuse to concede and spend the next two years trying to shred our Constitution and rip your country apart. Virtually every top Democrat also now supports taxpayer-funded abortion right up to the moment of birth. Ripping babies straight from the mother's womb. Leading Democrats have even opposed measures to prevent the execution of children after birth. CNN didn't air the event. Don Lemon explains why. Think about the despicable people we've had in history. Okay, now I'm going to use an extreme example. Um, Think about Hitler. If you could look back on in history, would you say, well, I'm so glad that that person was allowed a platform so that they could spread their hate and propaganda and lies. Or would you say it probably wasn't the right thing to do to spread that because you knew in the moment that that was a bad person and they were doing bad things. Moving on, members of the House Freedom Caucus held a press conference yesterday where they once again called on Democrats to come to the table to fix loopholes in our nation's immigration system. Dan McLaughlin, the mayor of Uvalde, Texas, described the horrors his town is facing. But while Border Patrol is busy with these family units that they're catching and releasing that, we've seen five car traces in Uvalde in the last two weeks in, that have caused us to have our school on lockdown twice because they bailed out in town. We had eight individuals bail out the first time. We had every law enforcement agency in Uvalde looking for them. Until we caught, it took all day, but we called all eight. Four days ago, we had four more come in, crashed bailed out. We had to put another school in lockdown and we didn't catch those four. And the lady that was transporting them said one of them had a gun. Whether whether they did or they don't, we don't know. But we didn't catch them. And we're seeing this more and more. We have trains that come through our community that are stopped and checked by the Border Patrol. They're finding 30 and 40 immigrants on these trains. And they're coming on these trains and these cars because they've got they've got issues. They've got warrants. They've got charges against them that they can't get through. Meanwhile, leftists spent the day yesterday nuancing New York Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's remarks that America is running concentration camps at the southern border. Chris Hayes says if you spend a few minutes learning some actual history, you'll find out that concentration camps are different from death camps and have a history that both predates and extends far past the Nazis. In 1933... There were concentration camps. In 1941, they were death camps. And that is where we are going if our our consciences are not quickly pierced. It is a problem. Let me tell you who agrees with me. Not going any deeper into concentration camp Twitter today, but the term originated to describe British tactics in the Boer War and was later applied to Nazi tactics. Problem with saying internment camp instead is that you remind people that Americans had them before. Yesterday, Alliance Defending Freedom announced a Title IX complaint on behalf of three Connecticut teens against that state's policy, which allows men to compete against women in high school athletics. Huffington Post headline, Are Pride Parades Kid-Friendly? Parents say children can handle the kink. The article goes on to quote activist Bear Bergman saying, quote, First of all, nobody likes nakedness more than children. Reasons why Colorado legalized marijuana. This is at a Lakewood, Colorado boys baseball game. What is happening? What is happening? This cannot happen. This cannot happen. 
The New York Times published an expose yesterday entitled The Evangelical, The Pool Boy, The Comedian, and Michael Cohen. The story focuses on the curious relationship between a former pool boy at a swanky Miami hotel and Mr. and Mrs. Jerry Falwell. Zany hijinks ensue involving former Trump fixer Michael Cohen and possibly some X-rated photos of Mrs. Falwell. And finally, and I'm going way off the board here, dog racing is apparently a thing in some places. And what you're about to see is nothing short of amazing. Six, and uh, away they go, and five dozed off in the traps, and Blue Rizzler it was, who's been left 12 lengths of the start. It's four, Munaskis, who's got the lead around the first bend. Kappa Tess up the inside has grabbed the lead. Now Scrostara is uh, out three wide with the stripes, the six. Then one, no news up the inside, pressing. Now two, Whit Orchid is close behind, and a mile back to Blue Rizzler, who's starting to make a bit of ground from an impossible position off the final turn. Kappa Tess, the three, is just in front. One, no news up the inside. Here is Scrostara. Tara out very wide and five Blue Rizzler amazingly has come from nowhere to win after giving away 12 lengths at the start. And that's what happened while we were away. It's almost like he was baiting them. I know. Almost like he's kind of giving them a head start. He's like, I got this. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at Real Estate Agents I Trust. If you are going full bore into the real estate market, you need to make sure you get an agent that you can trust. That's why Glenn Beck and some of his buddies started this company a few years ago because they kept running into agents they couldn't, all right? And so they learned the hard way. You're looking for an agent that checks all three of these boxes. One, someone with a proven track record of successfully navigating the real estate market. Uh, two, uh, you're looking for someone that uh, knows the data, looks at the algorithms, the formulas, but looks beyond those things uh, for the details and the outliers as well, because those can have an impact on what you can and can't ask for for your home or what you should or shouldn't be offering for somebody else's. And then finally, uh, do you have a rapport? Are these people personable, courteous, reliable in terms of returning calls? Um, you won't believe if you've never gone through this before, how relational and personal this process is. You're going to ask each other sometimes he's going to, he or she's going to call you, Hey, can you show your home in the next 10 minutes? I've got a hot uh, lead right now. Or you're going to call them and say, Hey, you know what? On the second thought, let's go ahead and do that open house uh, tomorrow that I didn't want to do. I mean, if, if you don't have that rapport, the chances this is going to be successful, at least as much as you want it to be, go down. So you're looking for a real estate agent that you can trust that checks all three of those boxes. And to find them, just go to the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. All one big word, realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, let's get to Aaron's montage. Um, I'm in the middle of a text conversation as we speak about what is what is going on at the House right now and the Senate bill that they offered with immigration and the bill is garbage and Daniel Horowitz will be here with us later today to tell you why and, and the, the Senate bill is hot garbage and this is the Republican Senate bill so this is the bill they're offering up before they even try to get Nancy Pelosi to come to the table and take a whack at something, even if you can get them to do that. And there's a moment when we send our people to Washington, this is the kind of moment, they, the existential moment they always face, right here. Whether to, and it really comes down to this argument, whether to oppose bad legislation when it has your team jersey on it, or try to make it better. 
you know, whether to go ahead and vote for Medicare Part D if you're Rick Santorum because you're going to get health care savings accounts. And if the, that trade-off is good enough. Because the pressure to not stand out, the pressure to cover everybody else's backside is enormous. And it's high school on metabolic steroids laced with meth. And I think if you've never been there, you, have, you can't even begin to appreciate Tape your eyelids open. Um, starve yourself for 72 hours. And just put on loop clips from District 1 from the Hunger Games movies and force yourself to watch them in a padded room. And you'll get a notion, 5-10% of what life is like when you go to Washington and actually try to go beyond shirts and skins and represent the people. We're going to talk about this in our overtime today, more in depth. So if you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber, you want to be a part of that conversation, blazetv.com slash dace, so that you do not miss the overtime that we're going to tape after today's show. All right? That conversation has me in the mood to be uber adulty today. I'm sure we'll have some form of fun, you know, we're kind of fun-loving people. And we're going to play buy, sell, or hold later, so who knows what we'll come up with that. But every now and then, I think we need to be reminded that this is real life and what is at stake. So I'm in the mood to be really adulty today because the conversation I've been involved in about what's going on in the house this morning has been rather adult. That's why in the next segment of the show, we're going to talk about the New York Times story about Jerry Falwell Jr. Because I, I am positioned to uniquely fill in some details about where this story is coming from, why they're doing it, and Falwell's endorsement of Trump and everything else. Because I was in the middle of that story at the time it was going down in 2016. And I think it, it requires a conversation unto itself. And then I think you need you need another reminder of how journalism works. Not and this isn't a journalism is magical and not at all broken. This is how journalism works comprehensively. It works on our side, it works on their side, it works it works this way on every side. If it was the same story but about people you don't politically like, it would still be the same dynamic. You would be writing this story the way that the New York Times wrote it for one of three reasons. This is how journalism just comprehensively works in a free society, period. So I think we need to have that conversation too because that has some potential 2020 outcomes involved as well. Let's get to the rest of, uh, of, of what's in Aaron's montage. Again, I'm in the mood to be an Uber adult today. So I'm just going to, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Actually, do we ever really sugarcoat it? <laughs> yeah, what are you wondering. saying? What's I was wondering why I got here? really quiet. You guys looked at each other like, what the hell show do I work for here? Right? Um, I thought last night's rally, which I did not watch. I, I can't watch the rallies. I can't. It's not my thing. I'm just, you know. I, I can't. I just, um, it's too much. The fawning, the, I, the, I, the, I can't do it. I just 
And when you think it's important that somebody watch it, that's usually I get a text, uh, Todd, I just can't watch the rally get back to me. That's, yes. That's how we work. This is what I jump on those grenades for you. Yes. But I do watch all of the coverage on it on social media Correct. from all sides after the fact. So here's what I can tell you from watch from watching the reaction. The collection of clips, Aaron, that you have in your montage from that. Yep. That is that is precisely the messaging that I told Maggie Haberman at the New York Times two days ago. If I were running Trump's political operation, that is precisely what I would be running on. And everything we would say, do, is I would bring on the existential conflict. You know, we started this year and we laid out, there's, there's two potential paths to re-election for Donald Trump. He can try to go down the same road that he went down before. And, and how do I just build a winning coalition to get me to 270? Or he can go for the grand existential debate. And we said back in January when we started the year that both options were really on the table to him and it was going to be up to him really to decide which of those options to pursue and which, which, which one of those two he pursues, they, they don't necessarily require, well, if, if you want to be successful anyway, the same strategy. But we also told you by February, so it didn't last long, that that notion was off the table because already as the Democratic presidential race got off, got off to a, 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 its fast start, and, and this always happens when you're running against the opposition party in the midterms and, and you beat them, you think you've got the wind at your back and everybody wants to jump in. I mean, I, I got calls, you know, for the 2012 Iowa caucuses three seconds after the 2010 midterms. And I got calls for the 2016 Iowa caucuses even sooner after the 2014 midterms because you're smelling blood and you want to get up and you want to get ahead of the curve, right? So the Democrats hit, hit the ground running. And went as far left from the very beginning as they possibly could. And what that did is it took, in, in our view, it took one of the options off the table for Donald Trump. He, he's not, he, he could not carve the kind of path that he did in 2016. He's going to have to, the, the Democrats are going to force and compel arguments that he's going to have to be willing to come to the table and answer the challenge. Otherwise, they're going to be the only ones selling a grand narrative He's going to be kind of running on some of the more micro themes that he ran on in 2016. And, and, and the bigger story almost always wins. So they were going to kind of force him to take that one option. And maybe all along, he was fine with that option. I mean, I don't work there. There's no way we would know. But, but, the, but the, the road less traveled option was off the table. We're, we're, going, to have a, we're going to have a grand debate. Now, it's, it's not going to be eloquent or flowery. Because you've got a guy who's, you know, his own dude for better or for worse and communicates in his own way, representing one vision. And then you've got the other vision represented by people who are on day two now of concentration camp Twitter. So we're, we're still doing that. You know, that's, that's, that's a still a, a thing for them. So, and then they had a guy who got into the race smartly late waiting for all the other riffraff to kind of go commie so he could kind of come over the top as the adult in the room and his initial rollout was excellent the first i told you at the time he didn't like me but I'm, i don't care uh the initial video he put out was perfection that's the exact right messaging if you want to run as uncle joe that lasted for about a month 
And now he's he's rolling hammer and sickle and calling for revolution. Okay, so it, it won't. This isn't going to be Lincoln Douglas. Okay, but this is going to be this next election cycle. It's going to be run. It won't be people as polished as Barack Obama and Mitt Romney. It 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 won't be someone with a long tenured record of service to the country of a John McCain. Okay, it, it's not going to be. It's not going to look the way that you know, is going to make people on either side of the chasm comfortable. And there's going to be plenty of times you're going to be like, uh, don't, don't say it like that. Don't, don't, no, don't say it like that. That's going to happen a lot over the next 500 days, regardless of which side of this cultural chasm you're going to find yourself on. Okay. You're going to be like, not the narcissism again. Not the 2020 version of that one Mexican judge. Again, please stop. No. Somebody make it stop. And then if you're on the other side, you'd be like, you know, I'm, I just want Trump's tariffs to go away. I live in Iowa. I don't know any Nazis, Joe. Can we, can, Joe, can, can you put the hammer and sickle down and get back to, you know, universal income or something, right? That's going to happen a lot. That is going to happen a lot. Because the characters here are somewhat clumsy. Um, But this next election cycle, it's going to be a big debate. It's going to be immature. All too often. Because we are immature. We are adults who break into fistfights at our kids' Little League games in Lakewood, Colorado, where life is hard. You know, so we can't expect our politicians to be better than that. I mean, we're watching the death of the West happen. That's what you're watching. But this is going to be a huge, we're going to have an existential argument. It's going to sound more like, you know, Joy Reid versus Morton Downey Jr. <laughs> You right. went Martin Downey Jr. I was had to, wow. I had to dig deep. Even my prodigious memory had to dig deep into the memory banks. That's why I needed a half a second. I apologize. Aaron, you have the no processing idea, right? speed had to catch up there. I have no. I have no idea. I just. I it, when you first started going down this track, I was like Billy Madison on that one game show. That's that's maybe what we're going to be treated to. But but it, it's it's going to sound weird. It's going to it's going to it's going to be immature most days. Um, but the but the themes behind. The, the the carnival barking are going to be meta themes. This is going to be something we really haven't had in the last several presidential elections. We're going to have, we're going to have a vision quest. We are really going to have, we're not going to sit here and argue, well, we, Obamacare would be okay, but we just can't afford it. We're not going to have that argument. And he let you know that right last night. He, has, he sees that the opportunity is there with how far left the Democrats have gone, that this is a chance. And, and the way these kinds of elections now, we're very balkanized now, so maybe it, it won't quite look the way that it has in the past. But when we have these sorts of existential themes, usually we come out of these with referendums. Now, nobody's pulling a 64 LBJ or a 72 Nixon or an 84 Reagan, you know, the, the huge routes that it, of the historic variety in, in modern times. The, the, the map and the population is too balkanized for that. 
But I, I don't think we're going to be counting, you know, 18,000 votes in your home state of Wisconsin if we're going to run on these kinds of things. You're going to have an election where the Democrats win this argument and they win like, you know, Florida, North Carolina. They, you know, they, they, they Texas is within the margin for error. It's going to be like that, I think. If we're, if now, <laughs> this could like change next month and everybody could just decide, you know, we, we're just going to really clickbait this thing again. All right. But if they, if both sides stay where they're at, the Democrats are going to stay where they're at. They, that's why they're doing day two of concentration camp Twitter. Aaron, how, since you started the montage, how many Don Lemon, Trump is Hitler videos have you put in there? Oh, at least three. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to end. The question will be, you know, whether Trump stays there or not, and is he comfortable staying there or not? But the fact that he went there preemptively on his own at his own rally indicates that he kind of feels like this is where he needs to go and where he would prefer to go. So when you have these kinds of big existential arguments, things start flipping around. And, and if we go down this road, if we have 500 days of this, and there will be down days where we're just like, you know, this is immature, it's terrible. But if we have 500 days of this, particularly getting to the conventions that's a year from now, next summer, and both parties sit there with a national stage and they go to these existential themes, you're going to compel the electorate to make a choice. And sometimes when you compel people who previously had not made choices they've preferred not to have to make in the past or ignored, and suddenly they think they have to make now, you get surprises, right? And, and, and that's where you're going to see one side is going to win places that you would have never thought they were going to win if we go down this road. And I don't mean like a flu. Hillary didn't go to Wisconsin. 20,000 black people didn't, that voted for Obama twice in Milwaukee didn't vote. And that was nine, you know, 87% of Trump's mark. I'm not talking fluky stuff like that. I'm talking like referendum kind of stuff. Where folks are like, you know what? It's like the end of Rocky three and Apollo. It's just Apollo and Rocky in the ring. And Apollo looks at him and says, ding, ding. You know, fire up the eye of the tiger. The call has been made. Got to make a stand. And it sounds kind of like maybe that's the road we're heading down. What do you think, Todd? Oh, I agree. I've been nodding for the last minute because what you just described is what I mean by the status quo is the status quo until it isn't anymore. And if Donald Trump and his team isn't planning on messaging right now about these three modern-day Rosa Parks out of Connecticut that have filed a federal lawsuit against the transgender policy that, uh, that has affected them. Again, we've talked about this on the show for like a year now. There are men in high school sports at that state's track meet beating uh, the girls. These girls have, and there's been a story about them, how they were afraid to stand up because you never know if colleges are going to accept them. Are they going to be the new bigots? There's all kinds of gals that are looking at this now and saying, you know, listen, I, I've... I've drank the Kool-Aid in many respects. You know, they, they would have signed the petitions. But now this is hitting home in a new way. And it will be hitting home in a new way well, with women across America, the way Steve is talking about, a referendum. Like, yeah, I, I, I get this, I get this, I get this. But this is not feminism. This is wrong. And if Donald Trump gets on board with this, uh, it, it, it's a must. If, it, if he doesn't, it is political malfeasance. This one story, and it's why Steve said, what, a month ago, Steve, this is where the fight is? Mm -hmm. I've, 
This is where the fight is. We are fighting for the very definition of reality. The reason, here's the reason that this is where the fight is. Because it's the one culture war issue where they have, they've gone, their reach has way exceeded their grasp. They haven't softened the culture up to the victimology of this yet. And people still view this as weird, icky, mentally ill, okay? And they're, they're way over their skis on the other side pushing this. They didn't spend 5, 10, 15 years conditioning you to accept this as your new normal. And so there's enough, there, that, this is an issue where you could find enough of the old silent majority pushback yes. that we see in the 80s and 90s is where you could see it is on an issue just like this don't, right here. Don't because let these they haven't girls, done that yet. Don't let these girls stand alone. Hey, in America, it's estimated millions of Americans are dealing every day with what's called chronic pain. And this is pain that comes from inflammation in the body, not an injury. Okay, if you have an injury, make sure you're seeing a physician, you're getting the right treatment, rehabilitation, etc. But uh, this is what we do that, you know, creates inflammation in the body. Could be just age, could be behavioral, could be cultural, or, or I'm sorry, yeah, not cultural so much as habitual, where you live, things of that nature. All right, so... Uh, this is why we love Relief Factor here at The Blaze. So many of us have had a tremendous success story with this product. I would now be among them. And, and the great thing about it is it's 100% drug-free, even though it's created by physicians who can prescribe drugs. They want to unleash the body's natural God-given healing powers to push back against inflammation. And now you can try it for a dollar a day for three weeks. Get the starter kit. Go to relieffactor.com relieffactor.com you've got nothing to lose except maybe finally hopefully the pain at relieffactor.com we're going to talk this Falwell New York Times story next Hey, are you one of those people that drinks uh, the endless, bottomless cup of coffee, cans of soda, those energy drinks, or maybe you buy that stuff in those little bottles with the 10,000 chemicals you can't pronounce because you, you, you don't even look at the ingredients anyway? That's where you're going to get your energy? Uh, no. Go, go get uh, energy from the sources uh, that uh, your manufacturer intended. And that's where our friends at Brickhouse Nutrition come, uh, come in. They've got uh, a fantastic product. From dawn to dusk, Clean energy that also uh, improves your focus and mood for up to 10 hours. Uh, no jitters, no afternoon crash, no calories, and no sugar. If you want to learn more about From Dawn to Dusk, uh, you can check it out right now and uh, use my name, Steve, as a promo code when you go to the website. BrickhouseSteve.com, promo code Steve. They'll give you 15% off of your first order at Brickhouse Nutrition. Get nature's idea of energy, not a vat of chemicals um, uh, definition of energy. You're more than a vat of chemicals, okay? Uh, Dawn to Dusk is the name. BrickhouseSteve.com, promo code Steve. When you go to the website, get 15% off of your first order. All right, let's, um, still to come later, uh, Daniel Horowitz uh, needs to go later in the show today. So if you're tuning in like, hey, where's my weekly profit of woe and lamentation? You're one hour early. Uh, he's this time next hour. So you can stick around and just put up with us until then. Uh, we've also got buy, sell, or hold coming up uh, next hour before Daniel as well. But I wanted to set aside some time this morning to discuss this uh, piece that the New York Times has posted about uh, Jerry Falwell Jr., a pool boy, and Donald Trump, all right? And I have this linked up on our Facebook page if you are interested in reading it. I would urge you to read the story. You guys have both read it, correct? Yeah, okay. that is correct. I, I would. Do you agree with me? I think our audience should read the story. Yep. 
There's, and here's the main reason why I think you should read the story. Because this story is written for one of three reasons. And this kind of journalism is practiced comprehensively. You think that's fair? Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is and, and this isn't yellow journalism per se, if it's a couple of the options. One of the options would definitely be malfeasance. The other two would just be, you know. Um, Even a broke journalist is right twice a day? Correct. All right. There's three reasons a story like this is written, and it's written the way that it's written. All right. Number one is you are baiting the hook for the hammer that you know you are going to drop later. You know what is coming next. And you're like that dog in the, in the race in Aaron at the end of Aaron's montage. Just kind of sit back. You're on the track. You're a part of the race. You're just, you know, kind of letting the race develop a little bit. And then you come out of nowhere like 10 lengths back to win by like three lengths at the end. Right? So you're, you're writing a story like this because you know what the next two or three stories are after this. You're, you're baiting a hook. That's, you think that's fair? Absolutely. Okay. The second reason you would write a story like this is you think you know something has gone down, but you cannot connect the dots. And so your legal department has signed off on you framing the story this way to justify publishing it in order to use the story as essentially a beacon. You know, you're, 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 you're trying to bring out of the shadows who can help you or the who's that can help you connect the dots for the, for the hammer dropping story that you think is true, but you can't prove it all the way yet. And so you're dangling this red meat out there in order to try and compel whomever is out there that you know isn't talking or you don't even know exists that might be able to tell you what it is you don't yet know so you can write the hammer dropping story you really, really want to write. Think that's fair. It's fair in both of these examples so far, set aside all the particulars of the story. That's how how real journalism is actually supposed to work. Yes, it does. Now, the third reason... The third reason is this is just a complete hatchet job that, and you don't care about, you know, and this, these are the people that don't care about, you know, lying about Catholic kids at the right to life March. And they just, you know, hate you and are just putting out biased stuff for their own preferred narrative. Think, think that this is the, this is this is the version of, of, you know, putting out the video of Ocasio-Cortez uh, looking hot and dancing to popular music in college. And then wondering, you know, you, you, because you're just looking for anything you can. Uh, the truth of, of of why you oppose this person isn't good enough. You're just looking for content because the bait ain't going to click itself to just keep beating a dead horse, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I then, don't think anything that we say in the next 20 minutes could change the uh, whatever percentage of the chance that that's the case. And I have I no idea. We, and none of us here have no have any idea which of these it is. Yep. It's just one of these three. It's one of, and it's not like a combination. It's, well, it's singularly, I think, one of these three. It can be a combination to the extent in terms of the hatchet job that you mentioned that they could actually be doing real journalism here, but it's real journalism that they would never, ever do if the flip, the script fair. was flipped. That's, that is fair. Okay. That, that is fair. Okay. Which does not mean it's not worth doing in this, but they would not do it if it was whatever the equivalent of, of Obama's, you know, right hand Svengali or something. So let's not bury the lead and let's just cut right to the chase. With the New York Times, and I'm going to tell you in a moment, they're not alone in trying to do this. And I know this for a fact. And I'm going to tell you why I know it for a fact in a minute. Okay. With the, with the New York Times, 
is attempting to say is that Jerry Falwell Jr., and if you guys disagree with this, you tell me, that Jerry Falwell Jr. is the reason these white evangelicals were led astray to follow Donald Trump. And he only did this, the head of Liberty University, the largest Christian university in the world now, he only did this because um, he was being blackmailed by a third party who had access to compromising photos of his wife and Michael Cohen took care of this matter for Donald Trump for, for, on his behalf. Trump's fixer fixed it for him, kept it quiet. And in exchange for that favor, to avoid scandal and embarrassment, Falwell went to the wall and continues to go to the wall for Donald Trump. That's really the story, if you connect all the dots, that they're trying to claim. Yeah, absolutely. Really? There's other, there's lawsuits, so, and, and you know, he owns this hotel that, you know, is gay chic, and, and those are all shiny objects. May or may not be newsworthy stories to you, depending on your individual belief system, um, but those are, those are things that are done to add color to the story, and you put those things in so that you're, you can show your legal department before you publish it that hey, this guy's a kind of a shady character with all these other things attached to the story. So is it, it's not really crazy that, that the theory we're operating off of here is true, right? Right. Okay. So here's the thing you need to know about the story. There, there's, there's, that's the, those are the dots they attempt to connect. They can't fully connect them. I don't even know that they connected them at all. But if you read the story, that's clearly the theory that they're attempting to put out there. Here's what you need to know. On Friday afternoon, after we got off the air here, I got a call from a reporter at the Miami Herald. And I just talked yesterday. I made, it a, I made a rare exception of talking right now. I'm on an uh, indefinite fast of dealing or talking with people of left America media. Unless it's a situation that I think I can turn to my advantage. Like, that's why I talked to Maggie Haberman of the New York Times, is I wanted to send a message to the Trump campaign. And I knew they would read everything she writes. At least the president does. In this case, I returned this call. And we even discussed it when, after we got off the air Friday afternoon, whether I should call this person back or not. And in the end, we decided that, uh, you know what? Let's find out. They're, they're, they, might, they think they know something. Let's find out what they think they know. And... She was asking me to comment on a story and she got my name because of my previous attachment to um, the Cruz campaign and also because of what happened with Falwell and, his, and when he was originally going to endorse Trump during the primary and I'll tell you about that in a minute too. And I told her I didn't know what story she was talking about because I didn't. So I just shut up and I let her talk. And for about 30, 15, 20 minutes, let's not exaggerate. So about 15 or 20 minutes, she proceeded to tell me a story that they were working on at the Miami Herald. And it was exactly the story that was published last night in the New York Times. I had kind of forgotten about it. I came in here yesterday morning. You guys were like, hey, you never updated us on what happened with the Miami Herald reporter, right? Mm -hmm. So yesterday morning, about 24 hours ago, I, I said, oh, yeah, and I told you guys the story that they think they have is what I told you 24 hours ago that this Miami Herald reporter told me she had. 
Is it not down to the last syllable? Yeah. What was published last night in the New York Times? Yeah. In fact, we all shared it to each other because we saw it in, at the same time and read it and we're like, holy crap, it's the exact same story. This means one of two things. It means that, you know, Rush has made this observation in the past and it's very, it's prevalent still today. A lot of media runs in packs. So it could be that they're all working together to take down Jerry Falwell Jr. and sharing notes. That's possible, right? Yeah. What's also possible is these are two major metropolitan newspapers 3,000 miles away from each other. And they're working off the same cue, the same source here. Which means multiple entities are, are vultures circling around a story because somebody wants it out there. And, and that somebody is talking to a lot of different people. Is that true too? Sure. You have any thoughts on that before I move on? In this, it's on the latter. You think it's the latter? I do. You don't think the Miami Herald and New York Times are teaming up? You don't think that? N not in any cohesive, all-encompassing way. No, I do not. I want to reiterate again, I have we, none of us here have any idea what is true, what is not. And the reason I didn't share this with you in the audience on Monday is because nothing had been published. I don't know how legit this reporter is. I'm just not going to get involved in being the source of gossip. Now, in the line of work in which we have, you know, like when you work for a presidential campaign where your competitor is using their friend whose name, oddly enough, is Pecker, uh, to accuse you of being a serial adulterer in the pages of the National Enquirer, at the same time they're claiming you're wooden, uh, rehearsed, and have no charisma. Um, you have to sometimes respond to gossip in this line of work. Responding to it is one thing. I'm just not going to be the source of it, however. So that's why it was never addressed on the show, never brought it up. And when I saw this hit last night, I was blown away. And I was also blown away, because here's what this also tells me. If it's what you said, that they're not working together, but multiple people are working on the same story. What this also then probably tells you is that the New York Times was worried someone was going was gonna to beat them to oh, this. Yeah. Well, that and, and so they got this out, what they thought that, that whatever dots they thought they could connect, get them out now. So that we can claim later, we're the ones, this was our story. We for, own this story. For some reason, that was my exact gut instinct on, on this particular story, that they were just trying to beat uh, the Herald to the punch. Well, and trying to beat it because I, the, whoever, the source, the, the tip, whatever, uh, it's, it, you know, Miami, down uh, southern Florida, Mar-a-Lago. I don't even remember where Mar-a-Lago is, but New York, home of Trump. Listen, these, I bet they purposely went to those and perhaps more and said, yeah, this isn't just you. I'm also giving it to the time. They, they probably set up the race right out of the get-go, knowing that would fuel the juices to get it out there instead of sitting there, taking their time. The motivation to get this out there by the source probably played the press. So here's what I can tell you about Falwell and his endorsement of Trump, because I was involved in this. And I can remember... Rafael Cruz, who is mentioned prominently in the article, is being confident that we had Jerry Falwell Jr.'s endorsement. In um, mid-January, about uh, two and a half weeks before the caucuses, I got a call from a really good little birdie who told me, Jerry Falwell Jr., Trump, Trump sees he's, he's losing evangelical support in Iowa. And he needs a big name evangelical endorsement. So what had happened is in December, we at the Cruz campaign had worked tirelessly all fall 
to get this group of conservative conservative leaders, many of them evangelical conservative leaders, not all, but most of them were, to get this consortium of these leaders to all endorse us and unify behind one conservative candidacy rather than splinter, you know, through four or five names like they had in the past. And I remember, in fact, I was in the Des Moines airport getting ready to catch a flight to do something for the campaign. And Jeff Rowe called me in the airport, Cruz's campaign manager, to tell me, in De- hey, this group has voted. We got them. They're going to support us. And I remember telling Jeff right there, I think we just won the GOP nomination because we had never, this was unprecedented. We had never seen all of these groups come together to support one candidate. And so I got a call about a month later from a little birdie uh, who told me that uh, Trump was nervous watching the evangelical vote slip away in Iowa and evangel- evangelicals dominate the Iowa caucuses, thinks he needs a big name. And so he's going to bring Jerry Falwell Jr. out. And I said to this little birdie, I can promise you, I don't know how many people will vote in the Iowa caucuses. I can tell you, though, not a single damn one of them will do it because of what Jerry Falwell Jr. told him to do. Most of them don't know who in the Sam Hill he is. He told, and this birdie says to me, that wasn't the point. The point is Trump wants to show that the polls showing him that he's winning with evangelicals aren't, are real, that he, he wants legitimacy. He needs somebody with a name to give people permission to vote for him. Is what, and, I said, and, I, and I realized what he was telling me was, yeah, you know what, you're right. So I, I, I put out there unilaterally on my own without asking the campaign that, uh, hey, my little birdies are telling me Jerry Falwell Jr. is going to ind- come out of nowhere and endorse Donald Trump in the Iowa caucuses. And I did it because I wanted to create the reaction, that I, exact reaction that I knew that it would. People lost their poop. Folks went off. I mean, Falwell Jr. got picked up by The Hill, Politico. Fall, Falwell Jr.'s Twitter feed got destroyed, bro destroyed people could not believe he would endorse endorse this serial adulterer and everything else and he backed down later that afternoon i get an angry call from rick tyler and this is nothing against rick i like rick i've always liked rick back when he worked for newt gingrich but he was the communications director for the cruise campaign at the time and he calls me up and he's yelling at me on the phone hey you ruined this we're not going to get this guy's endorsement now and i and i just let him go and you know because i'm a guy so i get it when the other guy's mad just let him have his peace because we're all guys we get it and then finally i said brother he, he's never endorsing us what i did today is i stopped him from hurting us by going out there and endorsing trump and giving trump a story that he has all this evangelical support he doesn't have he's never going to endorse us i can promise you that was never going to happen he's not telling you the truth Mark my words, he's never endorsing us. Well, he sure isn't now. I said, he wasn't going to endorse you before, I promise. And then I said, Rick, do you think, by and large, I have been good for the campaign here for Ted Cruz? Do you think I, I, I spent all of these months burning every boat, every bridge, maximizing every relationship I had to try to get a conservative in the White House? Do you think I did it just to blow my wad here at the end on a guy I've never even met and I still don't even know to this day? He goes, no, probably not. And cooler heads prevailed and it was fine. And it worked. Ultimately, he did endorse Trump, but by that point, it was too late for it to kind of um, make a dent. We had brought, we, we brought Glenn to Iowa, Phil Robertson to Iowa, and kind of drowned out any buzz that a Jerry Falwell Jr. would have produced, however limited that is. Okay? So I, want, I, I thought it was important for you to get more context to the story. Because... I don't know what the truth is, but they're not just grasping at straws here either. And I think the story is indicative of the fact they're just not going to let this go. There may be no there there, you know, 
but but I think it shows you that they're committed to this. Now, I have a theory as to why, which I'll share with you in a moment. But first, if you're losing the battle with the Bolch, maybe the missing link for you is Riduzone. Yes, you don't have a stoplight at your kitchen table, um, but uh, you have one in your system. It's called OEA. It sends a signal from the gut to the brain to say, hey, we're full here. We're done eating. Kick that metabolism into high gear. Let's get active and, and move on. Unfortunately, for too many of us, that signal just isn't as strong as it needs to be, particularly for many, more, most of us as we get older. And that's where Riduzone comes in. It just wants to put that OEA right back in your body. All right. So if you want to give this a shot, use my name, Steve, as a promo code. Promo code Steve for a special offer when you go to Riduzone.com. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E to Riduzone.com. See, I think they believe if they take down Jerry Falwell Jr., they will dismantle Donald Trump's evangelical support. When the reality, and which is laughable, <laughs> yes. When, it is. when when the reality is Jerry Falwell Jr. has profited much better from his relationship from Donald Trump than Trump has ever gotten from him. How many of you know who Jerry Falwell Jr. is today, and you had no freaking clue who he was before he got attached to Donald Trump? Jerry Falwell Jr. doesn't add anything to Trump. That's been a totally one-sided relationship, and Falwell has been the sole beneficiary. We'll come back. Hour two is next. And we're back with our number two live and on demand here on The Blaze. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And the last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. If you are listening to us today, by the way, via the podcast, thank you. Uh, for carving out some of your time uh, to let us be a part of uh, your listening enjoyment. Uh, if you don't mind, if you do enjoy the show, if you could leave us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice, we would be very grateful because the more of those we get, the more people like you we find, and then the more likely we are to get to continue to have our phony baloney jobs, all right? So if you don't like the show, don't lie. But if you do like the show, you can embellish a little bit. We would appreciate it. Thousands of you have already done that for us, exaggerating how much you like the show. We thank all of you. Uh, for doing that for us too. So thank you. Our good friend, our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz, he will be joining us coming up at the bottom of the hour. We've got buy, sell, or hold here coming up in just a moment. But first, um, if you are concerned about the alliance between corporate America, big government, and big business, well, you're, first of all, you're probably watching and listening to the right show for that, Okay. And, and one of the things our friends at Swiss America are very concerned about is when they see an American company like Google, who is currently entertaining uh, how much of your borderline content to ban from its social media platforms and to shadow ban from its Google searches. When you see them aligning with America's greatest economic rival, China, in any context, that, that should set some warning bells off, but especially to create a system called a social credit score. If you don't think this can happen here, Right. This is still, I think, the best Black Mirror episode before leftists got a hold of Black Mirror, and now they've ruined that show too. We'll talk about that future Pop Culture Tuesday. Uh, but it's my favorite. It's my favorite episode of Black Mirror. And if you don't think it can hap- happen here in my home state of Michigan right now, they're attempting to do uh, reform of their auto insurance. It's like per capita the most expensive in the nation. And you know what? One of the reforms the uh, Democratic uh, governor in the state just signed into law. Tying your auto insurance rate 
to your credit score. This is where it begins. All right. And that's where our friends at Swiss America come in. They study these sorts of geopolitical, uh, socioeconomic trends, both globally and domestic, so that you are forewarned to be forearmed. If you want to get a free copy of this report called The Secret War about what they think is coming next in this arena. All right. If you want to get it, it's free. Go to go to SwissAmerica.com. That's the website, SwissAmerica.com, or you can give them a call at 800-289-2646. That's 1-800-289-2646 or SwissAmerica.com. All right, let's get to it. This is called Buy, Sell, or Hold. It's our weekly game we play where the where Aaron is supposed to come up with a series of propositions to throw our way to see, hey, are we buying that, Todd? Are we selling that? Uh, do we have at least one good reason why? And then once per show, we are permitted a hold. If it is for any reason other than this is just beneath contempt, let alone the dignity of this program, which doesn't have much dignity to begin with, then you will be mercilessly mocked for punking out according to the dude code. And this week's Buy, Seller, Hold is brought to you by our friends at Home Title Lock, reminding you, recent episode of 60 Minutes uh, should have maybe uh, shivered uh, me timbers because they had the former head of the FBI Cyber Crimes Unit on warning the next crime wave sweeping the nation. It's the most valuable investment your own home that most Americans ever have. And now it's vulnerable like never before because so many of your home titles and mortgages are kept in online databases that can be hacked. Don't let this happen to you. Your identity theft protection can't protect you. Your mortgage lender won't do it. But for just pennies a day, our friends at Home Title Lock will. If you want to learn more or you want to register for a free title scan and report to find out, is your home's title already been tampered with? Is it already vulnerable? Go to HomeTitleLock.com hometitlelock.com and now Aaron you may pretend to be working while having all of these actually come hey, from the hey, audience hey 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 now I should say that I took 10 of the best uh, submissions today and then I actually did some show prep for once oh well and that's gonna be uh, yeah be still your beating heart I actually did some sh- some so- sh- show prep so we'll get fact, started he's so first. unfamiliar with it he couldn't even pronounce <laughs> couldn't it couldn't even pronounce it what are the chances of that uh, I Heart Tribalism says, within the next two years, SCOTUS will be forced to rule on whether biological males competing in female sports qualifies as discrimination or not, and will side with the males. Uh, I'm going to buy on this. I think it'll follow the same pattern as what we saw with the Hobby Lobby Little Sisters of the Poor case. And that is, they're gonna, they would prefer to pass on this. But I think you're going to see the lower courts are going to be so radically left in how they're going to rule on this that they're going to leave no room for any, um, because it's just, it's the leftist way. I mean, you know, boot to the throat, pedal to the metal. There's no restraint. What what do we, what is that? Oh, hey, Trump's a Nazi again. Uh, So uh, the the, the lower courts, I think, are going to rule so radically on this that, that, there's going to be no room for dissent whatsoever that eventually like they did in the case of, you know, uh, bakers and, and, and nuns and everything else, eventually the Supreme court and soon will wade into this and they will give you some kind of a narrow scoped victory, like what you saw with masterpiece and what you saw with hobby lobby. All right. And so, um, in fact, if you go back to the hobby lobby case, Anthony Kennedy, you know, wrote his own concurring, opinion for the majority you know usually you see concurring opinions 
in when in on the losing side of a case because some people might have a different reason why they ruled uh, negatively. It's, you don't see a lot of concurring opinions on the affirmative side. Usually the affirmators uh, are all in the same opinion. But Anthony Kennedy wanted to let you know in the Hobby Lobby case, hey, don't don't take this to mean you, we still have the First Amendment and believe in it. We're just trying to kick the can down the road. Well, they kicked the can down the road and we got to the Masterpiece Shop. Uh, th- that was Jack Phillips, the, the, apparently the only still working baker in all of Denver. Uh, and, and what the court told us there two years ago was if the state of Colorado could come up with a reason other than religious animus to force the baker to go against his own will with his intellectual property, they'd be totally fine with it. Right. So, th- so it, it's going to be, it's, it's, they're not going to say, unfortunately, I, I want to be wrong. I don't think it will be, it'll be a win. It will be a win. But it, it won't be a victory, if that makes sense. It, it won't be a referendum. It won't, it won't shut off the spigot. I mean, Jack Phillips has been taken now. This is the second time they've gone after him since he won at the Supreme Court. It'll be something that is very narrow in scope rather than definitive. But it will be considered a win on the side of, oh, he says on the side of the males operating as women. So you're selling yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, so I guess I'm selling it. I misread it. I'm sorry. That's why you're looking at me weird. Yeah, yeah I think I think they'll, they'll actually go the other way, but it'll be very narrow in scope like Hobby Lobby and, um, and what happened with uh, Masterpiece Cake Shop. Uh, I'm definitely uh, selling. I, I wouldn't be shocked if what Steve said turns out to be true uh, happens, but I think it'll be a little broader. I, I think here... The more awareness is brought to this thing, uh, it's the sense of just how many people this affects. Even a guy like Kavanaugh, who we know is going to be squishy, but this guy's whole brand, my my mother, she was a trailblazer uh, woman, I uh, now hiring all, uh, a bunch of women on his staff. That's a good point. I just, uh, I, I think this is really like, every, there's going to be a moment. There, ha- Listen, there has to be a moment, really. It, this whole damn american experiment is utterly broken if people can't realize that that this is just untenable the center cannot hold if we keep dreamcasting these fictional universes for ourselves our women are all going to get mowed over in the process so i'm selling you you know what you you could be right because if a Ru- oh, i could if, be wrong too but, but how does a ruth bader ginsburg rule i mean she's out there Pumping up yeah. Brett Kavanaugh for only hiring women, which doesn't tell us anything about how good his clerks right. are. Right, of course. I mean, whether they stand or sit to go to the bathroom doesn't tell us anything at all about how good of a clerk they are, right? But but she's out there yeah. crossing the ideological picket line to uh, to congratulate uh, marauding gang rapist uh, Brett Kavanaugh on only hiring. So nine yeah. months ago, he was a marauding gang rapist. Nine months later, um, you know, he is the he's he's being feted by the heroine the, of the left, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. They're literally getting together and seancing that she doesn't pass away before Trump is, you know, tossed out of office. So then she turns right around and says, hey, congratulations, marauding gang rapist on only hiring female clerks. I could see her sitting there and saying, I didn't I didn't break shatter all of these glass ceilings. To, to come this far and have, we're, I guess what I'm trying to say is we might find out she's the last feminist left. Think we could find that out? I think it's possible. I do think it's We might possible. find out she's the last feminist left. You might be right. Constantinos Rodinus says, from last place to Stanley Cup champions, the St. Louis Blues just had the greatest midseason turnaround on a team in NHL history and arguably any U.S. sports team. I'll buy that. I'll, I'll buy. I can't, I can't think of any story 
like this. I mean, they were that would never happen in baseball. Really hard to happen in football. Their last place would never happen in the NBA. You know, with 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 the season half over. You know, and then you turn right around and and then you win the Stanley Cup for a franchise that isn't known for postseason success. Um, in fact, it's the it's the first Stanley Cup they've won in fifty two years, and you did it with a rookie goalie and everything. I I. I, I get worried as I get older. I'm trying to be more sensitive to the latest is the greatest, you know? I can't think of, though, off the top of my head, anything more more incredulous in terms of how quickly fortunes turned than that. I'll sell, and I'm I'm not a hockey guy, and I don't mean to belittle this, but there's a few things. I mean, you've got Miracle Mets, 69 stories, things like that. It's... Uh, you've also now, were they kind of in a pennant race all year long, though? In that because that was the first year of divisional play in baseball was 1969, right? The Cubs famously blew that division lead at the end, right? Mm-hmm. But wasn't that kind of a pennant race all year long? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't I know. Just, I'm asking. I don't. I don't know. Maybe they did come out of nowhere in the last month or two. I don't. I don't well, know. it's the, yes, sort of, but it's how it, to the extent that this happened. Uh, no, but hockey is also known in the playoffs for number eights upsetting number ones. That part yeah, is not... Unc- my Red Wings a couple of times. Yeah, it's not... So, yeah. Unc- and I don't know what that says about the parody in hockey. What it says I- is if you have a really hot goalie, it almost yeah. doesn't matter who the other nine guys on the ice are, is what it says. So I'm, I'm just going to sell, but um, St. Louis Blues, unbelievable. Oh, well done. I don't mean to take anything away from you. Millennial Falcon says the President uh, Donald J. Trump campaign for re-election will call Steve for campaign advice concerning the 2020 election before the first general election debate, given the Democrats have chosen a candidate out of the 24 by then. I will, I, there's, there's those, there's those investments that you make that are risky, that are not risky. If this was a, a, an investment, I would, I would put a little bit of money on this as a kind of a risky investment, but yes, I would, I would buy that. You're buying that Trump's going to call Steve. The the uh, that campaign, yeah. I just think things are going to get that weird and crazy, guys. <laughs> the uh, the Trump himself or the campaign? The campaign. Oh, I think the odds of the campaign doing it at some point aren't as probably astronomical as people think. You know, I mean, I, I have a lot of friends in that. Well, I shouldn't say a lot because that's an embellishment. I have several friends in that operation. You know. Um, it, it's just, you know, we, we agree that I understand what they're trying to do, serve the country the best they can, and they understand that I've got a job to do, you know, and so we just don't talk as much as we used to, but it's not that there's any hard feelings. You're just at a different stage. I don't think that that's that far-fetched. I think it's exceedingly far-fetched. No, that's not that, what, that, that yeah, Trump that's himself not, would that's, call. That's, yeah, no, no. But if it's, it's campaign, the campaign, I don't think it's yeah. that. Dude, the Romney campaign called me in 2012. <laughs> I mean, I, I had I had several friends. Are you serious? From like other campaigns, like when, when a lot of Rick Santorum people got absorbed into the Romney campaign when he clinched the nomination, they would call me. Yeah, they took exactly none of my advice. But right. Yeah. Right. So I don't think it's that far fetched. I don't. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Under those terms, I'll buy. Uh, David Evans Martinez says, The odds are much higher than I'm going to be invited to speak at CPAC. Let's put it that way. Yep. Uh, David Evans Martinez says, The Golden State Warriors will not win another title in the next five years. I will buy. Yeah. And when you see Dynasties end, it almost always looks exactly like this. And now you've got two guys coming off of uh, serious injuries, ACLs and Achilles. 
you know, AC, Achilles are still pretty devastating injuries in any sport. ACLs aren't quite as devastating in football and some baseball and some other sports as they used to be. Guys are sometimes coming back in the same season now. But for a high impact, meaning a, a, an aerobic sport where you're you're doing a lot of impact on your joints and those sorts of things, an ACL is still a pretty devastating injury. You take another year off of their tires. Uh, of tread there you have to keep in mind all the extra games this franchise has played too you know and you're playing high high stress extra games when you're going to the nba finals every single it's not the same as well you know we scrimmaged angola for usa basketball you're you're those those add you know you age in dog years as a as an athlete when you play in in those kinds of of pressure environments uh who knows if kevin durant will ever even play for them again um yeah I, I think it's been a great run, a tremendous run, but normally when dynasties end, it looks like this. It reminded me so much of when my Pistons beat the Lakers for our f- first title in 89, and the, and, the, and the Pistons swept them because when when they came out for game four, they still had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Worthy was gone. A.C. Green was hurt. Magic was hurt. Okay. I mean, they were, they were, a, sh- they were a shadow of, of who they were, you know, and that was kind of, that was, and, and the Showtime Lakers won no more titles. You know, so it kind of reminds me a little bit of that. Uh, you're almost certainly right, but I will, I will sell because I think the uh, now I, I'm also not a huge NBA guy, so maybe the 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 writing is absolutely on the wall while the insiders know it, and that Kevin Durant is gone no matter what. But I think uh, the odds of him staying in Golden State because of that entry went up. Uh, that's true the odds of him ever being the player he used to be because of that injury given his age yeah and what that injury does um and within the sport that he plays right. probably not high so, i would guess so instead of being the man in another place and wanting to revitalize new york or something like that why put all that pressure on yourself if you don't know if you can do it anymore why not stay with the splash brothers and uh if you three are together it might not it's not going to happen next year but within the next five years Oh yeah, that's absolutely still possible if Kevin Durant comes back. So I'll I'll, I'll sell, even though it's um, I'm, I'm, See, it's I a long the, walk. I think the further more years out you go, the even less likely it becomes. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's just not going to happen next year because they're both gone at least till. Mid- I, I will say this: if it doesn't happen the year after their the year after this coming season, then it, it definitely won't. I don't believe. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. All right, let's uh, pick up the pace a little bit. Uh, Capitano Bacano says, Now that Senate Republicans have introduced a bill to raise the smoking age and an amendment to ban flag burning, the next order of business is a bill to allow Pete Rose into the Hall of Fame. Bye. Perfect. Capitano Bye. Bacano really gets it. You win, John, you win today's show, yep. sir. John Hensley says, When all is said and done due to the power of incumbency, a strong economy, and likely Democratic cray-cray, Trump will win re-election with more electoral votes than in 2016. This goes back to what we were talking about in the first segment. Um, buy if under it is, that if it premise. Is, yes. Buy under that premise, yeah. I, I do think if we're going to have the kind of campaign that the, the Democrats are begging to have, you know, they, they want to have the Das Kapital campaign, all right? And so if Trump is like, I'm your Huckleberry, like he seemed to be last night in the clips that Aaron showed, then... Either he's going down hard, like Jimmy Carter hard, or um, he's going to win. He'll have more electoral college votes than he had in 2016. I agree, because like we said in the opening hour, when you compel people to make choices in the past they've not had to make, preferred not to make, or ignored having to make them. And when you force them to make them now, you don't really know. You get surprises. You don't know what they'll choose. 
you know? You're buying under that premise? Yeah, I said, said under that premise, okay. yes. Uh, let's see. We'll go to exile for American soccer. Goalies shouldn't be allowed to sell. Um, Dutchman Perfect. says, uh, OJ starts <laughs> releasing do-it-yourself videos on Twitter about how to get rid of carpet stains and other unconventional uses for lie. Did you see he's already like threatening people on Twitter? Dude, he, he joined the 20, wasn't it the 25th anniversary of the day that he, he murdered them? I uh, that's yeah. the day he joined yeah. was on the 25th anniversary of the day he uh, murdered well, I think them. it was a few days before that. But okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, at this point, you know, you're dealing with a devil. Yeah. I, I don't know that there's any form of shamelessness that he would not. I mean, dude wrote a book called If I Did It, you know, so I, I don't think anything's beyond him. Except, sadly, maybe uh, we'll, redemption. We'll just move on. Yes. Ponderosa Platypus says, candy corn bye. is trash. Bye. Totally bye. I don't get the fascination with it. I don't like it at all. Well, uh, interesting tidbit, a little bit of uh, trivia here. All candy corn that exists to this day was all manufactured in the same year. It was 1967, so it's all moldy and kind of, uh, it was, it's just, well, that's that why it tastes it. bad. That would explain yeah. it, yes. Um, let's see. This is the last one of the submissions. Actually, two more. Uh, if you were given the power, one, to personally select the next two SCOTUS justices, or two, choose the next president from the current field, you would prefer to select justices. Bye. Would oh, that's put, a that's yeah. a that's it's a easy, easy buy. buy. That's uh, a, that's that's I'm not even. Yeah. And, and I would say that if my man Ted Cruz was president right now, um, it wouldn't. It, I mean, I'd say that Ronald Reagan was president right now. Okay, it was in the. I mean, it, it almost doesn't matter who's in the field. If we're going to have a system where these unelected judges are are all powerful, then this this decision's a no brainer. Yep. Correct. All right, uh, last one. This one is for Steve alone. This is from Keith Malinak, the esteemed executive producer of Pat Gray Unleashed. Uh, he says, Nebraska Cornhuskers 10-2 and two and Big Ten West champions buy, sell, or hold. I have to take that as a package deal? Yep. Then I'll sell. I still think they're a year away if, in terms of rebuilding the roster. I'm, I just finished assessing all the rosters of all the teams in college football. And all uh, the teams, well, the teams that matter. I do all the power, the 65 power five teams. So all the teams in the major oh, conferences in Notre Dame. That's a lot. And um, of all those teams, Nebraska's has, has the highest disproportionate amount of talent in, the, in its roster in its youngest two classes of any of the other teams in, in, in major college football, which tells you they're a year away. Now, I, I think they, I still think they could win the West. It's that wide open. I think any of six teams could win healthy, and, Mar- and they've got the best quarterback in the division in Martinez, but can they keep him yeah. healthy? Because behind he's him is a be gaping hobbled. void. He's going to be hobbled at some point. That's just um, the way it is. So. So, but, but I think they could win the division, but, but I think 10-2, and two, they're still a year away from that, I think. So I'm going to sell. All right. You used a phrase a little while ago, I'm your Huckleberry. That is tangentially related to what we're about to talk about now. It's the top 10 Westerns of all time compiled by moi. Because I had to do it because I just... I just could not leave this in the hands. Yeah, if we're going to let Rolling Stone compile the list Stone of westerns, I was literally going to fire you. Any other website again. whatsoever, okay. as well. Now, I am a little bit worried about this, not because not be, I don't. I really don't care whether you guys think these should be on the list or whether you've not uh, or whether uh, you agree what they are on the list. I'm just really worried that you have not seen all of them. And I will. I just, if you've not seen any of these or one of these, just whatever that. Uh, silly football movie is that you keep trying to get me to watch. I, I, I never want to hear that again. So we'll start without much ado. Number 10, Silverado. Gosh, I haven't seen that oh. in years. Awesome. Bye. I remember it being good. I don't remember anything else other than it being good. You've seen all these, Aaron? Yes. Yeah. Because that was like 1984, right? Oh, I've, uh, yeah. 
Most right. of the good ones were pre-1990. Uh, okay, I'll buy. I remember it being good. I don't remember why. Not knowing what's next, though, for now, I'll buy. All right. Uh, let's see. There are a couple of these that are kind of off the beaten path a little bit. Uh, this is one of them, number nine, The Revenant. I hate that movie. Bye. Total sell. I, That's I, the I'll Leonardo DiCaprio only because, movie. Yeah. Only because of the uh, cinematography. I hate it. Yeah. And the movie, the movie's great. And every scene Tom Hardy's in, the movie's great. Every scene he's not, the movie sucks. Sell. All right, number eight. That's wrong. Uh, dances. <laughs> <laughs> I like the subtle command of your statement. I liked it. I'll let it stand. Uh, number eight, Dances with Wolves. Bye. Gosh, that's another movie. What, the reason it's not higher is just because yeah. it stops. It's okay, like I'll, I'll buy because, again, yeah. I haven't seen it in 20 years. I remember it being good, though, so I'll buy. Okay. Uh, number seven, Once Upon a Time in the West. I don't know that I've ever seen that one. I don't know that so I, I, have I, I got a, I got a hold. I've never seen it. Okay. Uh, number six. This is the 1969 True Grit. Only because if you're going to do a top ten movie of westerns, it's got to be on the list. Uh, John Wayne. It's an automatic. Has to be on the list. Yeah. Bye. All right, I'll buy. But I wonder what are the five movies ahead of it though. Number five. This one's off the beaten path as well. Uh, no Country for Old Men. I, I've dramatically overrated film. Sell. Way overrated. Way 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 I, overrated. Sell. You're fired. I disagree. No. That is that is. Uh, I mean, for somebody who hasn't even seen no Once movie Upon a Time in the it, West, it should have been titled No Movie really for rich. People with Taste. Yeah. That's that, what it should have been the, titled. The role, though, in that speaking, Tommy Lee Jones just nailed that that sheriff kind of dealing with the the evil that he can't comprehend. Fantastic. Uh, number four, the 1960 Magnificent Seven. Uh, yeah, that's a classic. Yeah, I'll buy I don't think I've seen it. Yeah, I'll buy they just tried to do an update too. Yeah, and it wasn't with Chris Pratt and stuff. And it, when yeah, yeah. Denzel Washington it was, was okay. It wasn't. It, 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 it wasn't justice. Seven, yeah. yeah. Uh, number three, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Uh, yes. Bye. Even my kids. We watched that for a family movie night last summer. Even my kids liked it. All right. So uh, it was a Western number one and from the seventies. Okay. All right. We were saying who are who are these guys like in the house for the next three days. So bye. Bye. All right. Number two is Tombstone. I'll buy. I'll well, buy. I mean, I, I, here's the there. thing. I think that's generational. Like, I don't know that it's a great movie. It's it, it's kind of, well, it's a great, it's oh, kind of the office space of Westerns. Any movie where you can it's watch quotable. why they're just tame a bully and, you know, subsequently grow, it'll put a chest hair on anybody's chest. I hear you. I hear you. It is I, the diehard of Westerns. Yeah. It has been known to cure um, uh, certain ailments that uh, prevent you from conceiving that film. Yes, yep. I agree. Uh, number one, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, I'm fine with it being number one, but how do you not have, and as soon as I bring that up, I have a senior moment, (laughs) and I can't remember the title. (laughs) My list was so good. Steve, Clint Eastwood? Uh, The Eastwood, Hackman, what's the one? The Unforgiven. Unforgiven. How is that on on your list? In fact, that ought to be number one on the list. I've never even heard of that. I, that that would be number one on my list. Now I'm not a I'm not seen a tons of westerns. I've seen you know the, re, most of the required ones of that for being a dude. Outlaw Josie Wales, Pale Rider. Right, I've seen all of those because yeah. I've watched all the spaghetti westerns. But yeah. but but I think un, the Unforgiven is the best western I've ever seen. I, think a great I just think you did great work here, though, Aaron. But I am surprised. I no, I did. I did. And not having um. the Unforgiven on there, though. Uh, you will be flogged. Yeah, well, whatever. Uh, you want to do one more? Uh, I got this. I think we have. Yeah, we have some time. Uh, the top five live action DC movies. This is from Raymond Fava. Uh, he's ranking these the top five from 2000 to 2020. He's predicting that the Joker movie, backstory movie, will come in at number five. Sell. 
Yeah. I'm going to predict that the film's going to be over the top in its depravity and offend people is what I'm going to depict. Uh, number four, Man of Steel. Very underrated. It's had its sixth anniversary last week. It's it's a remarkable film. I I, I think, there, in fact, it's nearly flawless. The problem with Man of Steel is it presented an honest portrait of an altruistic character and our culture is growing too pagan and nihilistic to, to truly be inspired or identify with, with such a being. We, we want our heroes to be broken and walk in gray matters and areas and, uh, you know, those sorts of things. You know, we, we, we prefer the Captain America, not who uh, dies a virgin in the ice because he can never consummate a marriage with his true love after he sacrifices himself. We prefer the Captain America who fights with himself and then says, you're right, that is America's ass. That's the culture we had today, and that's the failure that Man of Steel had. I'll sell. It might be too low. Okay. Um, and that might be true, too. You yeah. might be right, yeah. Number three, uh, Watchmen. <laughs> oh, hard sell. Yeah, I, I, but I'm selling a Man I'm of Steel. Never, yeah. I, the yes. Watchmen's hot trash. Yeah. Yes. Uh, number two is Batman Begins. Bye. Yep. Yeah. Bye. And yeah. then, of course, that leaves number one, The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight, yeah. Sure. I, I'll tell you, I, think, I still think Batman versus Superman is... Yeah, it's great. It, normally, it, it, I can't believe how underrated the movie is, and it, I, I, but I think it also tackles a lot of deeper existential themes that, as a culture, I'm not sure I, we understand or are willing to identify or embrace, you know, or or, or deal with anymore. Uh, do you have itchy ears, ear pain, or that plugged up feeling? Are you constantly asking people to repeat themselves? Like when I had to ask Aaron, are you, you don't have the Unforgiven on your list of the best Westerns ever? Uh, if these problems sound familiar to you, it could be like millions of Americans that are going to be forced to visit a doctor here shortly, which you've been putting off. Why? Because you don't want to spend you know an hour or two on your day off doing that. And you can't do it on days you work. You don't want to do it on the weekends, right? So the problem just keeps getting worse. Now we have a solution. It's called WaxRx. You can do just what the pros do to help your ear, but you can do it yourself and in the comfort and convenience of your own home and without a prescription too. So that's one less that's another extra hassle they're taking off the table. You don't have to go get the script afterwards, right? Uh, they use all the same technology the physicians use, and then they soothe the ear with the pH condition formula. It's just like what the pros do. You can be the pro now as well. If you want to try WaxRx, it's risk-free today, and you'll get free shipping. I mean, what else? Can, basically, we're doing everything other than giving this away, so you have no excuse now, okay? Free shipping when you use the offer code radio when you go to the website at usewaxrx.com. That's usewaxrx.com. All right, we'll come back. Our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz. He'll be taking us inside politics. What did he think of Trump's campaign launch? And what is the latest with immigration on Capitol Hill? That and more coming next. Stay tuned. here live and on demand on the blaze i mentioned this earlier let me mention it one more time because we're seeing more and more of those real estate signs in my neighborhood bet you're seeing the same in yours as well so if you're going all in in the real estate market this spring and summer you make sure you find a real estate agent that you can trust and you can do that with our friends at realestateagentsitrust.com and what sets this entity apart from other referral companies is instead of trying to find the right agent uh, a client, uh, it, it's really about finding you, the client, the right agent. 
Okay, so this is about empowering you, the client. Find an agent who has a success, who has a successful track record uh, navigating the real estate process, who is courteous, personable, can be relied upon, can be you know trusted. Someone who looks at the data, um, but then also doesn't rely solely on it. Understands each neighborhood, each market has its outliers, and and whether or not those outliers apply to your particular situation. So, if you want an agent that checks all three of those boxes. Here's all you need to do. Go to the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. That's a big word, but it's just all one word for the site. Realestateagentsitrust.com. And now here he is, our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, taking us inside politics. Daniel Horowitz, good to see you, my friend. How are you? Hey, uh, we're doing all right. Welcome, stranger. Indeed. So, Strangers in our land. Uh, <laughs> so let's. There's, there's two big questions I want to ask you. We'll see how long it takes you to answer those questions, and then if I have time to ask you any others. Let's start with immigration. The Senate came out today with uh, the Republican Senate with their immigration bill. Uh, we touched on it briefly at the top of the show about an hour and a half ago. I told the audience it was hot garbage. Was I wrong? Yes. Um, I mean, because hot garbage is hot garbage. Uh, this is the equivalent of taking an arson and dousing it with lighter fluid and a blowtorch. So, I mean, so I was too kind is what you're telling me to call it. It's the same thing that happened in February that every time we have a leverage point to throw a touchdown, we throw an interception. So this crap of something is better than nothing is not true. So, um, let me just read to you the Democrat summary. No funding for Trump's wall, no funding for detention beds. Prohibits DHS from transferring any funding to any other purpose. Prohibits information obtained from potential sponsors of unaccompanied aliens, which are cartel traffickers, um, from being used by ICE. Um, let's see what else. It it funds – so l- let, me, let me just get, get the basics here. Every penny is for illegal aliens. There is not one penny for enforcement, interdiction – uh, um, hardware for uh, CBP or detention beds, much less repatriation. Obama, when he requested a supplemental in 2014, when the apprehension rate was a third of where it is today, but that was nonetheless considered a crisis, he had funding for repatriation. He said we're going to deport them, and he funding for a media campaign in Guatemala telling people they can't come here and they're going to be sent back. Um, what it What it basically does is most of the money goes to HHS. And what that means is this. Right now, you know, Trump promised to end chain migration, legal immigrant chain migration. Right now what we have going on is illegal immigrant chain migration. So illegals come here over some period of time. Then they pay the cartels to smuggle in their relatives who are minors who often actually are older than 18 but they lie about their age to come across. Many of them are gang members or become gang members. And then – so. HHS reunites them and in the words of Judge Hannon in 2013, Texas judge, completes the criminal conspiracy of the cartels that taxpayer dime. So that program was running out of money because there were too many of them. So we we replenished it with $2.88 billion. Now, there's one thing if you want to talk about um, getting rid of some of the policy problems and some good funding as a compromise for some of the bad funding. So you could say it could be parlayed eventually into deportation, that it's too chaotic. We have to at least manage it. it, We have to deal with it. The problem with the HHS funding is the ones that you resettle as refugees, right? This, this is, it's like, oh, we're solving the border problem. So let's go fund resettling the people with the outcome of what they're trying to achieve. 
When you resettle them as refugees, they're de facto legal immigrants. You can't get rid of them. And now, thanks to a provision they put in February, you can't get rid of the illegal sponsoring giving the cartels the money. Steve, you is may as well hand $2.88 billion to the cartels. So what's the point of this then? Just to stop to, to, Thomas to Massey, points. Chip Roy at all and, yeah. and just so they can move on and uh, they can get back to talking about Peter Strzok and Lisa Page in the House Freedom Caucus and everybody else can uh, just get back to doing whatever they were doing before. Impeach Trump, you know, uh, cigarette smoking age, right? So, so two points. One, like you said, they were already telling Chip to stand down. Um, but number two, to give Democrats a loincloth. See, I, I, look, imagine if I tell you, Steve, that you get to kill a thousand babies, but then it's in a way that you get to pretend like you're pro-life too. So they now get what they want. It literally, I mean, they have stuff on you, information reports they have to put out on separating of families and access to congressmen to the facilities so they could further agitate. 30 million for nonprofit organizations, millions of dollars for the LOP legal orientation program, giving the illegals legal guidance and access to the, like the ACLU and things like that, which that was the whole impetus of the crisis, the lawfare. But so not only do we go backwards, but then they get to tout it like border security. So all of the very members of Congress that we need to defeat to get back the majority, right? The most important thing is winning the majority, not what you do with it, of course, but you know, it, it, you, you can't let the Democrats win. So the very members that we need to paint as extreme to win back the majority now of the ultimate loincloth, we, we had a major bipartisan solution. What about those that are going to say, hey, this does address the humanitarian crisis? Does it? And would you respond to that by saying, even if it does, uh, the current humanitarian crisis, since you're not dealing with the root cause that created the crisis that we have in that area, it's just going to perpetuate the process. So again, the majority of funding doesn't go to DHS. It goes to HHS to resettle them in America. So I guess that's one way of dealing with the humanitarian crisis. Um, but but the other thing is so, – so number one, you, you hit the nail on the head. Americans don't matter. So the most important thing is for the illegals. But the thing is that would only work – let's say we have better facilities, bigger facilities, the care, this and that, and then change the policies, speed up and fund ICE and deportation. So you have the treatment here and you're out. But they don't have any of that, and it's only this. So you're – further incentivizing and fueling more people to come. Hmm. Here's the deal. Our job is not for Central Americans. If you want to open up a missionary, that is God bless you. But the assets of the United States of America belong to the citizens of America. It is not the politician's prerogative to give them away to other people. But you know what's funny, Steve, when you hold the line and you deter, defend, demagnetize our border? You stop the humanitarian crisis too because they don't come. But if you incentivize them to come, all the ills that they experience on the way will continue. Hmm. Let's switch gears. What you think of Trump's reelect launch last night? Uh, I saw you commenting on his rally. You know, I, I can't watch them. You know, they, I just it's not my cup of tea. So but uh, last night he formally announced his reelect campaign at a rally in Orlando. What'd you think? So we're keeping America great again, right? So um I'm not sure if it's the 
18.2% in increased spending over Obama's last year? Or is it, you know, the America of the 38,000 apprehensions when Trump first announced four years ago or the 144,000 a month now? Um, but more broadly, this was the first announcement that to me, it was like, I was like, I was like pumped, like, yeah, get those Democrats out of here. I mean, he was like a challenger. Mm-hmm. I mean, he sounded like a challenger. I mean, so, I, and that's fine, but I'm just trying to figure out like what on the other side of this election, because everything's the next election, well, what's going to change from the first two years? Oh, well, first of all, he's going to be a lame duck three seconds if he, after he wins, yeah. if he wins. That, 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 um, I mean, like that may be a second and a half. Okay. So there's that aspect of it. And I think we also don't know how he will behave when there is no further election. You know, there's no, there's, there's, it's really just, you know, uh, a, a total vision quest. We can just say whatever we want to say and do whatever we want to do without the, the typical concerns and blowback because he would have defeated impeachment and everything else. Right. I, I think it's almost impossible to know how he would behave in a second term when uh, if he were to overcome all, you know, Mueller impeachment, reelect everything else. I don't, I don't think we have any clue, frankly. No, we don't. And increasingly, he's going to what you're going to have with immigration is what we had with Obamacare, that you get the liabilities of holding the status quo, but also the liabilities of as if you're trying to do radical things, but then you're not doing them and nothing changes. Right. That was the story of Obamacare. You're going to have that with the border. Um, There's already signs of Democrats are going to jujitsu that and blame it for it. Um, Which is exactly what you saw with Obamacare. They inflicted it on us. Republicans didn't keep their promise, and then they, you know, healthcare was their main issue, other than Orange Man Bad that they ran on in the midterms yep. last year when it was a problem they created, right? And it's still working, and and uh, you know, otherwise it's just you know, fifty thousand conservatives getting in a room and just doping up on heroin. I mean, that that's. What by the way, doing. when I say lame duck, I don't believe he will behave like a typical lame duck at all. The system will will start to act yeah. ten seconds after the election. Including people that he thinks are with him right now that are going to go for their own election prospects in 2024 and everything else. The system will behave as if he is a lame duck three seconds after the 2020 election if he wins. He won't, though. That's that how he will react to that dynamic will be something new and unique is what I was trying to say. You know, Steve. I don't know a good way of saying this, but but what I'm starting to see is this. Too many of us are looking for a savior. One man is president. One man is in the Senate. One man is a secretary, cabinet secretary, run DHS. I've never had more friends in government than I do today, and it just doesn't matter. What people don't I understand I know. is it's so systemically broken. Yep. Everything you and I believe is – it's not feasible. You, know, you can't do it. Current law, nothing you can do. So you just take good guys and you put them in there. They have a welcoming committee right when they get in there and say it's all unfeasible. They try to make do with what they have, and then they become hostages, so then we just feel bad about hitting them because they're right. friends of ours in there. Right. The bottom line is you're never going to have a strategic one-off insider game. You need an outside blunt force trauma movement where the firestorm mm-hmm. for American sovereignty is at least as strong as the firestorm on behalf of illegal aliens. And until and unless we have that, nothing will change. And this is not a rip on Trump. It's, it's whoever you get in. Could you see, could he be a vehicle for that in the second term if he gets one? Meaning, it's clear he has shown no willingness to fight a two-front war in this first term. 
And that's why he's done a great job of provoking Democrats to be brutally honest about who they are. And when, when they call people like you and I crazy all this year, all these years saying this is where they want to go. And now it's all out in the open. Right. But he's done a terrible job moving his own party to keep the promises they made. It, it's clear he's has, he has shown no stomach for a two front war and he's a history guy. And, you know, there's Napoleon's edict. You don't ever win a two front war, dude. OK, but but now, if he gets reelected, do you think it is possible that he could just be like, you know what, man, total house money now. I don't need any of y'all. So let's go Michael Corleone here and settle some family business. You think that's possible? I think we could make him do that, but there's no we to make him do that, so he won't do it. There's no one to direct the the airstrikes. I mean that that's the bottom line. He's got missiles there. You got to have someone on the ground directing the airstrikes. We don't have that. Um, you mean like going after people like McConnell and yeah. getting involved in primaries and yep. things like that? Yep. No, because no one's going to do that. I mean, you got Senator Rick's uh, Tim Scott from South Carolina out there now. He's going to recruit minority candidates. You know exactly what that means. It doesn't mean minority candidates who think like like us. It means like him who think that um you need to scuttle Trump's judicial nominees because uh, they don't believe in affirmative action. So um, I look. It's going to be the next midterm election. You have to preserve all the gains. Um, Democrats, I mean, Steve, you know this next week is the Super Bowl for our colleagues. Why? Because the Democrats have debates, right? And and Democrats, right? Democrats. Yes. There will be numerous cable news bookings, careers, yeah. podcast launches, all based off of, uh, of reacting to the Democrat uh, presidential primary season that goes into full swing with next week's debate and as we like to say around here daniel that bait ain't gonna click itself brother it ain't gonna click itself you could have cartels come over kill 100 americans it won't get through the news so you so it sounds like you agree with what i said to the audience last week that we have we we used to do we used to use media to promote policy but now really Policy is done in order to create content for the media. In order That's to it. get a talking point, yep. which is why Trump is now running last night on we're going to get the black vote. So we're going to meet to the left of the Democrats on crime because it's good for the blacks, even though come to my hometown of Baltimore and you'll see what criminal justice reform does for 350 dead black bodies in the streets. But anyway, you know, nothing could get in the way of a good talking point. We harness talking points. We, we harness policies to promote a talking point instead of harnessing talking points to promote foundational policies. I mean, that, that's what we do. You did not disappoint, my friend. Good to see you again. Thanks for joining us here this week. Take care. All right, take care. Ah, Daniel Horowitz's appearance on our show this week brought to you by our friends at Brickhouse Nutrition and their product, Field of Greens. If you're struggling to get your kid to eat their vegetables, now you can trick them. Uh, into drinking them uh, instead with Field of Greens. Just uh, one scoop with any water-based drink, and it's the same exact nutritional value that you get from certified real USDA organic fruits and vegetables. Why? Because that's all Field of Greens is, certified USDA real organic fruits and vegetables. So the reason we're taking so many of those supplements nowadays is that stuff that uh, your creator put in those fruits and vegetables Largely not a part of the American diet anymore, so we have to get them somewhere else. 
field of greens from Brickhouse Nutrition wants to put them right back into your body. Those probiotics, prebiotics, those uh, antioxidants as well. Never been an easier and tastier way to drink your fruits and vegetables, and it's convenient as well. Just go to BrickhouseSteve.com. That's BrickhouseSteve.com. That's the website to try Field of Greens. Use my name, Steve, as a promo code. You'll get 15% off of your first order at BrickhouseSteve.com. Gentlemen, you have any thoughts on our conversation here with uh, Daniel Horowitz? Oh, we definitely aren't uh, too big to fail. Uh, you know, that, after listening to that, you know, I, I started off the show uh, uh, optimistic about the possibility of a Trump message regarding these uh, three uh, gals in Connecticut. And it's when that topic comes up and others where I see the possibility of my voting for Trump and listening to Daniel, you know, after that, this is my more often default is that like, what's the point anyways, really? What's the point? If you really want systemic change, you ju- you actually need to see things get lit on fire. That's a very unsatisfying feeling. But I, I don't. I, I what you said I think is very apropos. Like, th- what's the most likely scenario of a Trump victory? It is the fastest lame duck president in history. Well, the system will say that. Um, I don't. Do you buy him? You buy Donald Trump going gently into that good night? Oh, just no. hanging out. I don't, wait, I don't but think. well, whatever his version of not going gently, will it be productive for us? Well, I think there's no way of answering either one of those questions. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think the answer is closer to no, and so that I, by I default think it, is I, a guy, I, I mean, I, I'm dead serious. I think it's just as possible he he burns the system down the way that cleanses it with fire, like we would like, just out of spite for all these people. As it is, he just gets up one morning in April of 2021 and is like, "It's been a good ride, guys. Have a nice life. I'll be at the Mar-a-Lago." Thanks for the uh, affirmation. I, I I think there's really no way of knowing. I think you're dealing with that mercurial of personality. Aaron, you have any last words? Um, yeah, I, this this is going to be I, basically what this comes down to uh, is going to be hammer and sickle versus uh, not hammer and sickle. We don't know what the not hammer and sickle is. <laughs> we just know that it's not hammer and sickle. <laughs> yeah. It's not a, what's what's happening is all of the prophetic analyses and observations we have given this audience the last few years are all coming true. It's not a big tent; it's a big tarp. It's a whole bunch of people. We've talked about that, right? It's a whole bunch of people who largely don't agree on all kinds of things. They disagree. Going that far left is really bad and icky for people, you know. And so, yeah, it's it's not it's not conservative versus liberal. It's the left America versus what's left of America, you know. So, yeah. What does any of that mean? I don't know. It just means we don't want to go, we don't want to become Cal Berkeley. We don't want folks, you know, crapping in the streets of like we see in their progressive cities. We don't know what we want instead of that. We just know we don't want that. Yeah, you're exactly right. All right, we're going to stick around and tape a little overtime for our Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, John 317. We'll see you tomorrow right here on The Blaze. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.